for Dynamic Deputies. Hello and welcome to the Dynamic Deputies podcast run by two deputy heads living on opposite sides of the country. I'm Russell and here's my co-host Steve. Hello everybody and welcome to our first episode of 2023. We'd like to start by thanking you all for the listens throughout 2022 and for your ongoing support into the future. Yeah, thanks everybody. Now we're starting the year thinking about an issue on everyone's minds in England right now, the issue of teacher strikes. Members of the NEU, a significant teacher union in England, have decided to strike over the issue of teacher pay, although many teachers say that the decision to strike is much broader than that. Yes, people are concerned about funding in schools and to other services which affect our work, such as social care and SEND support. And I know, Russell, that many leaders are understandably concerned that any agreed teacher pay rises will have to come out of our existing school budgets. Yeah, indeed, Steve. So this episode is just our chance, really, to react to the news about striking and to share our perspectives on the world of education as it stands right now, Steve. Absolutely. And for anyone that may have missed a post earlier in the week, Russell, we actually composed an open letter to the Secretary of State for Education, Gillian Keegan. And it might be worth recapping this letter in essence, because then it will get to the heart of what our views initially were in reaction to potential strikes. Okay, Steve. So I'm going to read this letter to you. It's not very long, so bear with me, folks. But, you know, Steve and I talked about this quite a bit and we started typing and we really wanted to, as succinctly as possible, just capture the feeling that I think everybody has in education right now, or many of us have in education right now. Whether or not you've gone as far as voting to strike, I think uh, what we wrote kind of resonated really didn't it Steve we had a lot of uh, a lot of sharing of this so uh, mm-hmm. here, here here goes so the letter says dear education secretary we're writing to you in response to your recent remarks about the decision made by thousands of teachers across the country to take strike action uh, Miss Keegan describes feeling disappointed Steve and said that our children don't deserve it I mean a classic guilt strategy there we'll get <laughs> on to that in a moment um so we wrote in our letter Mrs. Keegan, our children don't deserve to go to schools where head teachers are being forced to make unimaginable budgetary decisions, such as making staff redundant or cutting back on essential supplies for classrooms. Our children don't deserve to live in a nation where if they happen to have additional needs or live in a vulnerable household, they may fall through the gaps due to relentless cuts to SEND, safeguarding or other vital support services. Our children don't deserve to have teachers who feel constantly exhausted overworked, undervalued, underappreciated and underpaid. We go on to say that we're sorry that Mrs Keegan feels disappointed about teachers' decisions to strike. uh, And in response to that, it would be very easy for her and convenient to feed the narrative that we're letting down the children uh, of the nation and compounding the issues caused by previous lost learning. We ask her to please think twice before doing that, as it would be both insulting and patronising to do so. We say that the teachers of this country are acutely aware of the harm caused by the pandemic, and we are just as disappointed as she is that it had come to this. In the final part of the letter, we say that she may have noticed how politicians often describe teaching as a vocation rather than a profession. And we say that this seems to us a very useful mechanism for making teachers feel guilty for expecting to be paid fairly for the incredibly challenging work that they do. We say to please remember that teaching is not just a vocation. It is a highly skilled profession. 
we are astonished that it is even considered contentious to suggest that teachers should have their pay increased in line with inflation. The very end of the letter, we say, you said that teachers do brilliant work. And you're absolutely right. Up and down the country, these remarkable professionals are quietly shaping futures and growing minds. And you know, as well as we do, that we are already struggling to hold on to them. Please pay them fairly for their service. Yours sincerely, us. So I hope those words do capture how a lot of you feel when when you do something like an open letter and you sort of take that uh, stance, Steve, that you're writing on behalf of others. You're very wary not to go too far with it, get too political in your views, but really just to mm-hmm. capture that feeling that I think a lot of teachers are walking around with, don't you think? <clears throat> Absolutely. And do you know what? The first thing we have to acknowledge is that it's so sad that we've actually got to do an open letter to the education secretary. We're not writing an open letter in hope that she's going to read it directly. We're just trying to convey a generic feeling, as you say. And it's got to the point where something needs to change, whether that is uh, a pay rise in line with inflation is so much more beyond that and we're touching on it now and do you know what frustrates me is that the nhs is undervalued and it's under um appreciated yeah Yeah. but under increased stress levels and budgetary cuts and you think this is applying globally sure but nationally as well and we are in a very similar boat in the fact that when the NHS say, say it's not the strike days that are causing concern that they mm. they'll be understaffed and can't cope, mm. that's every day, yeah. and it is every day for schools as well. Yeah. We lack the ability to always support every child that's entitled to support. We lack funding for resources that make the job doable there's so much we lack that we're not talking about a couple of days in the next term we're talking about the daily struggles of school and i think it can get very lost in the mire and you know what glorified in the press depending on what paper you're reading and i was i was off uh last week and i was at home and i was watching the reaction on the monday morning from tv channels like channel five uh itv and naturally, from when I woke up and watched BBC News and GMB, education secretary is there and she's saying her piece. And it really was like a vendetta against the world of teaching to say, mm. you should feel incredibly guilty. And it's a passionate, emotional language of how disappointed the whole country will be if teachers have the opportunity to strike and they go through with it because the pandemic's done enough. Mm. And you think, hold on a second, this pandemic that the whole globe lived through and yet teachers don't have the justification to feel they should be valued higher and schools should get more funding. And I get funding has to come from somewhere. Um, And that's where the wider issues like social care come into place, SEND support. But hold on a minute. Are they literally saying that we can't afford to strike because those few days will compound the misery of a Mm. pandemic? Mm. Loads of good points there, Steve, and so many bits that I'd love to pick up on and, uh, I almost don't know where to start, but I think I'm, I'm pleased you brought up, you know, the NHS because that's uh, such a different but vital service to our country, and and it is experiencing its own uh, kind of parallel issues of 
and where there is a similarity with the NHS and education is probably the sorts of people it attracts into the profession, people that are caring, Mm -hmm. that there is this vocational aspect of it for many people that go into it. But it's so easy for politicians to play on that, isn't it, in terms of oh gosh how can you let people down you know they 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 know that for the, for the doctor or the nurse or the teacher in our case the the feeling of letting anyone down when you do a job that is dedicated day in day out to helping people is horrendous it's a horrible horrible feeling and you know you just hope don't you that the wider public see that well don't fall for those kind of politics strategies to make us look bad but get that oh my goodness you've got people that are in a profession because they love helping people and even they're saying enough's enough and they're that they, they, they will take this day of strike action or a couple of days of strike action to demonstrate just how bad it's got and another point that i wanted to pick up on from what you said there is 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 just how bad things have got for people to get to this point and mm-hmm. you know we all see these through different lenses and i'm seeing this um through the lens of an educational leader at the moment and you know on this podcast well we say it's inspirational and informative cpd and the inspirational bit is because we always want to kind of or uplifting sorry because we always want to uplift people about what a great profession it is and you know i've always always even in the hard times of my career still felt this is the best job in the world it's it's an awesome job and i have to admit and this is like the worst thing for me to admit publicly is this is the first moment in my career where i've doubted whether if someone asked me whether they should go into this profession whether i would say yes and that is just the most Mm -hmm. horrible thing to say and it's not because teaching kids has got is 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 not still amazing it's not because in school leadership it's still not amazing to watch your colleagues grow and to help children to have your big community all that is still really special but the feeling of whether you're a teacher who feels that whatever you do is never enough whether you're a leader that feels like they can't support their staff to the degree they would love to and constantly feel like they're having to say no to the support people need in their classrooms it's quite a demoralizing place to be. And, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it does sadden me, Steve, to say I'm not I'm not sure whether at this very point of time in 2023, I would say, yes, get yourself into this career. That breaks my heart. <laughs> it does. It's depressing to listen to because I know you as a person, not just a professional. And I know why you do the job. I know your character and what you give to that job. And you think, imagine... Any profession, not vocation, profession, whereby you sit back and you think, I've I've worked, I studied so hard to get qualified for this role. I'm doing it with a passion because this is what I love to do. This is where I see my next 40 years within a profession. And right now you're sitting there thinking, I wouldn't recommend this to a Mm. friend. I wouldn't recommend it to someone's um, niece or nephew or daughter or son that shows how broken mm-hmm. it's got. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not right. It's just not right to think. You're absolutely right. And it's so sad to think about people who are really fired up and passionate, who are lo- not necessarily losing that because I still am very passionate and I'll give my all to this job for as long mm-hmm. as I do it, but who are losing, I don't know, that reserve of energy, Steve, to be that passionate and to be that focused all the time to do the job to the best of their degree because they feel like nothing's ever enough and they're having to do more more and more with less. And it's a bit mm. like to kind of 
a bit of a microcosm of this issue is we think about the way kind of the government treat schools is similar to how an ineffective or unkind school leader treats their staff in that you know that people often talk about goodwill don't they you know you treat your staff well you respect them you value them they'll go to the ends of the earth for you they will work those extra hours they they're not meant to but they're, they're going to to help your school be that really special place or they'll scoop up that child in distress who's not in their class because that's the right thing to do and but but we know in really kind of toxic cultures or um overworked pressure environments that goodwill starts to reduce and reduce not because people become uncaring or they lose their morals but because the, the, their kind of energy reserves just get sapped and their passion starts to get kind of ground away at and 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 then before you know it they're still doing a good job but it's not with that fire in their bellies. It's not with that extra mile because they've just not got it in them and it's not their fault. It's the way they've been led. And I kind of feel like that's, that's kind of the way government education secretaries are talking about schools. And it's like, look, you've got the people here already that are going to go above and beyond, but we can't keep doing that relentlessly with less. We are burning out. We're telling you we're burning out. Listen, don't tell me I don't care enough. Don't make me feel guilty. I know that another day off school is not good. I've got year fours who still have handwriting that look like year ones. I get it. I, I understand it, you know, I, and, and and feel the pressure of that. And my colleagues feel the pressure of that. I don't need to be lectured on the effects of the pandemic. I need you to listen to me when I say I'm a leader in education who works silly hours like all my other colleagues do, and it's still not enough, and we're having to do more and more and more. You know, and, you know, you text me um, today, Steve, asking how my day's going, and I said we've had about four or five new pupils join or joining the school in the next week or two. They've all got quite significant additional needs. Now, we work in an inclusive, beautiful school who will do all they can for those children, the teachers will, the TAs, the leaders will, but there gets to a point where you're thinking, I cannot meet those needs. I can't meet those needs. And that breaks my heart because I'm a believer that every child should be able to go to their local school. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that with less. You've got to give me more, you know, and we're banging on the door of the local authority saying, we'll do this, but give us more. You know, we need we need more. We need resource. We need adults. We need a sensory space. Mm-hmm. We need something um, in order to meet these needs. And, you know, we're not talking about just some nice quality first provision strategies, a visual timetable and a few, you know, wiggle cushions. We're talking about really big structural stuff that schools need. And if I just take that one angle on SEND while I'm on a rant, you know, you know, that's an area of passion for me, Steve, that I want, I've always fought for those underdogs in our classrooms who others might dismiss or give up on. And it just breaks me that so many of these children are being turned away from schools because there's no incentive for them to for those schools to keep them these days. It's it's crazy, Russ. Sorry to jump in. It's crazy that you're thinking like that. Yeah. That is what's wrong. You you should not be thinking, A, I haven't got enough to support a pupil who deserves it, <clears throat> but B, that this pupil could be better elsewhere because actually you can give so much to it that if we just had the right strategies from a financial mm. point of view to assist a school with taking on people. absolutely you wouldn't think twice about it so it's crazy that you're thinking well about it and now. it's short term it's short term versus long term thinking isn't it on a local regional level you know you think about local authority funding for example as a, a maintained school and you think 
well, you know, you give my school an extra whatever we need in order to staff a, a, mm. sli- a slightly additional bit of our provision. And I'll probably keep three or four kids in our school in mainstream education through their primary education who are going to get permanently excluded otherwise. What's that going to cost yeah. you as a local authority to find them specialist provisions all over Devon or the Southwest or somewhere it, over the next few years for the long term if they if they end up permanently excluded from school? So it is a really, really frustrating thing. And what I was saying about incentivizing, again, those with a really strong moral compass despite all the pressures around them will continue to try and meet all those needs with less and start sinking and going under. Meanwhile, some local multi-academy trusts who I will not name, potentially, there might be a few knocking around, are openly admitting that they tell these children's parents they can't meet their needs and that they need to go look elsewhere. You're not allowed to do that, but they're doing that and they're doing that and they're coming (laughs) coming to other places. So, the system is not rewarding for being inclusive. I mean, I'm going on a slightly different rant here, but this whole bigger picture is linked to the financial picture of mm. schools and funding, because if you're wanting people to do more and more and more, with, you've got to give them more in which to do it. There reaches a saturation point where however many hours in the day people work, they cannot maintain it. And, you know, if you're a teacher in your first few years at the moment, you've walked into this post-pandemic, it's like a post-apocalyptic scene, you know, with yeah, children yeah. years behind. You're thinking this is this is normal. You know, no wonder. What was it surveyed recently? Some horrendous figure of teachers that are looking to leave in the next four years, something like half of teachers. So this is about respecting and valuing schools for what they are now i do want to take it onto the issue of pay because some of this is about school funding but the predominant strike reason that is there is around pay and i am interested in your thoughts because a lot of the research around why teachers are leaving suggests it's not pay isn't the biggest one it's about things like uh, workload behavior in many schools yep, um yep. these are the big ones but can you separate pay from those issues, do you think? Um, would paying people more with the current state of education be enough? Or is it is it a holistic package? Is it, is it everything together? Pay goes alongside value for me. And if there is an acknowledgement that inflation... Let's look, beat around the bush, we're in a cost of living crisis. Mm. If there's an acknowledgement that what we were paid 10 years ago as a starting pay grade and what we're paid now... In value, when you take into cost of living and inflation, it's less. It's yeah. less. yeah, exactly. It's so much less. So just to feel value, and if we want to attract people to our profession, when we know at the other end, it's a sinking ship and potentially fifty percent are wanting to leave. Mm, mm. This isn't attracting anyone. No. Um, if we if we know that it's a really undervalued and an underpaid job, and okay, there's potential to get a good wage within education. However, that that fairy tale, I could get this good. We're in the here and now right now, and this country mm. is right in the thick of it. Um, and I, I get so many sectors are in the same um, boat. However, pay and value and seeing an increase, it might not be the full inflation, of course, but if, if there's an acknowledgement that, yes, we need to be going in the right direction, then sure, teachers will generally um are very conscientious and they want what's so great and they're so passionate that would be accepted i feel mm. um it won't solve it the whole kit and caboodle but it will at least give an acknowledgement that okay so we're being listened because right now it feels like teacher bashing yeah 
it's pretty intense and we're not being listened and leaders aren't being listened and and let's face it when you have a facebook group that is attracting thousands of teachers per week on exiting the classroom pay is definitely within there because people can the amount of teachers i've seen russ online who are taking second jobs now Mm. that's insane that should not be happening because our mortgages have gone up our rent's gone up our electricity bills all these bills need paying for somehow and if you are stagnating at a pay grade that is not that great and it, it actually inflation's made it a heck of a lot worse yeah then if you're think, could, could you ever imagine taking on a second job right now oh my god think, i mean thinking how tired know, you are I right now people do it i know i know people do it yeah, and it, they shouldn't it have blows to. my mind absolutely blows my mind and you know you've made some really good points there and you've made me think back both for both of us because we've both had interesting journeys in and you know from my point of view I started teaching and then started a family really young like in my early 20s mm-hmm. and my wife who was a teacher as well gave up work at that stage um, and we lived on my salary which was only a couple of years in teaching I mean it it was a pretty rubbish salary but we we may do and I, I was just wondering to myself out loud there could I could I do that now if I was starting with the cost of living probably probably not you know and that allowed her to have some um, time off work while the, while the children were very young we just wouldn't have been able to do that and I also was thinking about your journey and you were a solicitor and you knew you were giving up a whopping solicitor wage to do something that your heart was a bit more in but whether you could have sacrificed that much if the, the the salary in relative terms was that much less, I'm unsure really whether you'd have stuck out those first few years of teaching. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you know, that is it actually. Well, A, I couldn't have afforded to do it because I still lived at home with my parents when I made the uh, yeah. career change. And actually that was a massive bonus in the fact that I paid very little rent to my parents. Mm. Um, but also conditions, they were ripe for me as an NQT back then. Mm to excel in my job because I could come home, I could focus on the job. Mm. Still, even though I've come home, I'm still working every night mm. doing the marketing and the planning and the uh, in, when we evaluated lessons. And uh, I couldn't have done that in my current mm. circumstances where I've got bills to pay, um, a house to run, um, kids to look after. It just wouldn't have been fruitful. So, I mean, hats off to any parent carers who are in the teaching profession where they've got to go home and somehow juggle the household because when you're not earning that much, and this is why I cannot comprehend teachers, whether they're they're picking up a bit of tuition um, on the side or whether they've got a weekend job or a job for the summer holidays and Easter, they are going to be running on empty, but they're being forced into this situation to make ends meet. Yeah. And that's where the pay the pay grade is pathetic, really. Yeah, yeah, and, and and you know, if you think about it like other professions and treat it like a profession, you know, is it a competitive market to attract people? You know, mm-hmm. and, and you think about teaching in other countries, for example, you know, and yeah. social media has advertised even more what what life could be like if you choose to up and go work somewhere else now i'm not saying that all those other places are great and there are issues with those Mm -hmm. other places whether that be dubai or anywhere else but you know i know of a handful of teachers you know that i've been friends with or colleagues with who've gone off done a few years in some of those countries i mean the perks financially are unreal you know there are lots of drawbacks in other ways which we could get into in another episode maybe we'll have someone on from who's done that and you know they're coming back and paying off mortgages they're paying (laughs) off mortgages back in england i mean after eight to ten years of of working elsewhere so 
I think, you know, it's not a competitive market. We know there's been a pandemic. We know there's not as money uh, as much money floating around. We know private public sectors are all struggling and don't have as much money in them. But if you are not going to put adequate money into things like your healthcare system or your education system, what kind of long-term future is that? And, you know, I'm a big believer in thinking about the long-term. I was talking about that on a local authority level earlier, but, you know, just you just want governments to have that kind of perspective that, you know, everything you scrap now or every every penny you remove from schools now is going to come back to bite you mm-hmm. tenfold yeah. further down the line. And what we know about education and developmental issues is we've got so many more, certainly talking from my school's perspective, it cannot just be my school. Yeah. So many more children coming into our nursery, reception, early, you, you know, year one with massive speech issues, with massive social issues. And that's not me being dramatic or over-egging the pandemic uh, effects. It is the reality of what we're dealing with. And it's just not sustainable. And I know not every school is to that extreme, and some schools might be managing more uh, well than that at the moment, but there are lots of us saying it's too much and there's this perfect storm and you know i said to you earlier is is it just pay or is it part of this wider package and i think you know pay is a significant part that is part of a wider package you know if you feel like you're paid fairly you know it's never going to be the best paying career in the world but if you think it's fair and you feel like you work somewhere that's funded well enough and your school is willing to consider well-being and workload issues then you're on on track for me to be saying it's the best career in the world again (laughs) absolutely russ that just jogged my mind I saw last week when everyone was talking about the teacher strikes and whether they're justified or not, pay in the retail sector can be within a pound an hour different to teacher pay. No way. And and when you think, and I'm not saying retail do not work hard because blimey, do they? And I've got family and when I look at what they're doing over the Christmas, whoa, they work hard. Yeah, yeah. For a profession where, on average, teachers do well above and beyond the hours that uh, they're contracted to, um, for it to be a pound, a mm. pound, that's yeah. that's about 40 quid a week that'll mm. work out mm. to. Mm. Could you imagine not, not having to take your job home mentally and mm. physically? Because mm. the mental well-being of teaching staff, when they are dealing with children and there's um mm. there's progress to be accounted for there's safeguarding to be accounted for yeah all of that floods on the teacher and we do, we can't park it you, you literally try your heart out to leave it and spend time with your family but it gets at you and yeah. then you think for a pound mm. you could work in the retail sector um where sure there's a, a heck of a lot of hard work that goes into it really is but there's a difference in potential stress levels there isn't yeah there's a separation more in your life i think is what you describe in there and you're absolutely right it comes back to that point i made earlier about goodwill is you know teachers are drawn to this work the vast majority of them because they get such a deep satisfaction out of making that difference and you'll accept there'll be nights where you're still thinking about that child you know or what you could have done differently today if you have an overwhelming sense that you're doing great work, you're valued, you know, both within your school and by by the country and parents and so on, all of that's worth it when you feel valued. All that stress is worth it when you feel valued. And when you don't, it it, it really starts to chip away at you, um, mm. Steve. And maybe we can end just by reflecting that word you've used again, that teaching is a profession. 
And as I kind of penned this letter and we were talking about it, it was the bit that I just wanted to say another 10 times. This is a profession. It's not just a vocation. It's just none of us are doing it. would do it for free. <laughs> we're doing it because we, yes, we love the work, but it is a job. And I think we're so scared of talking about teaching as a job because it makes us sound like we're just doing it to pick up our pay packet, but it is a job. And, you know, we all have families, we all have lives outside school and our job is an enormous part of it. And for those of us that are in teaching, perhaps we're in it because we want a job that gives us a little bit more than if we were in retail or we were in an office somewhere, nothing wrong with those jobs, as you say, but maybe they wouldn't fulfill the people that, you know, have have been drawn to education, but there does come a point where you're like, it is my job and it is a profession. And you know what? I'm pretty skilled to do this job. You know, Mm. for people who want to bash me online or criticize teachers, you do a day, you do a day in a classroom with the complex needs that a teacher uh, these days faces and you meet all those needs and you maintain order and you help them make progress and you meet with parents and handle the complexity of that, you know, as saying, I could say all the same things for, for leaders in the complex work they do in terms of managing budgets, managing, managing personnel issues, keeping uh, uh, an overworked, understaffed uh, school, buoyant and upbeat. It, it is a highly, highly skilled profession. I know there are good teachers, bad teachers. There are good leaders, bad leaders, but there is everywhere. Mm. You know, to do this job well, you have to be an incredibly skilled professional. And I'm proud of that, Steve. You know, I'm proud of that. And we undersell ourselves sometimes and we're not very good at patting ourselves on the back. But do you know what? The work you all do day in, day out is sensational. And, you know, I've I've joked before, particularly post-Ofsted, about I'd love to do a job where you just nail it. And um, again, not underestimating the hard work, but you take a trade like a bricklayer or something, yeah? Incredibly hard work in profession. You know, you, you go home sore every evening from having worked your guts out. But there must reach a point where you've near enough mastered the technique. You know, you've, you've, you've figured out how to do that incredibly efficiently and well, and you just, you're just awesome at that trade. Teaching where it is different to a, something like that is you're in a job that you never nail. You've got to get better at it until you retire because it is so complex. Mm-hmm. And all the research, all the brilliant minds in education say you're never going to nail this. You know, Dylan Williams says, keep going until you, you know, die or retire, basically. <laughs> yeah. uh, to probably slightly misquote him, but that's what he's... So we're calling mm-hmm. on, the, on people to becoming to come in who are skilled and become increasingly skilled over an enormous amount of years in the face of so much challenge, pay them well enough. Yeah, that's so true. And do you know what? One thing that always gets my goat, do you remember that stupid, I I sense myself then, stupid phrase, those who can't teach. Mm. What Mm. the, what the, (laughs) is that? That is just ridiculous. But that undervalues it. And that Mm. sees it as that vocation is ever highly skilled profession in a highly challenging times. And it's highly likely that if we don't, I don't know whether it's a a revolution or evolution, but if we don't do one of those, this profession will be run into the ground. And you are so right that it's not the now, it's the future generations where if conditions are not improved we this country will will pay for that 
and it'll be yeah. too far down the line. So you're so right. And whether people agree with striking or not, within the teaching profession and outside, I've had arguments with family about whether it's justified to strike coming up mm. or not. And, and believe it or not, my partner in teaching disagreed and thought it's not justified to yes. right now. And I know, and that, but but that's fine. We can have opinion yeah. and we can discuss it and ballot it out. But if we are not given the opportunity to to show what our, what our worth is and to show the conditions that we live with day in day out, I don't know when there is a right time to be honest, because this yeah. feels like bottom of the barrel right now. Yeah, and if I can finish with an image in people's minds, all right? You've got a beautiful—is she three now? Three-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah. All right, and in and I know—is it next September? You, you, she'll be starting school, wouldn't she? This September, boss. This September? <laughs> you kidding me? All right, sorry. So Steve's little one, one of my besties, she's starting school this September, right? And I, I just think of a little girl like that entering that that world, which should be like the most special, beautiful world. Is her school going to have the funding it deserves? Is she going to have teachers that are like fired up, buoyant, energized, refreshed? I know no teachers like that every day, even in the best conditions, but you get my drift. <laughs> like, mm. are they in that good place, feeling valued, respected, appreciated by, by us as a society and the government that, you know, kind of pays them? That's what I want for for your little girl, Steve, and every other little kid in the nation to, to go places mm. where you know, they can thrive. And, you know, I don't want to feel like both me and my colleagues can't be at our best for those young people because we're so down on the profession and that's the way it's heading. And, mm. you know, or not even heading, it's there. That's the way yep. so many teachers and leaders are feeling and, and more will head that way if we don't do something urgently. So we just wanted to say on the podcast, we fully support anyone that's made the decision to strike. We also fully respect if that's not what you've chosen to do or you know perhaps some some of you ourselves including as as part of uh leadership unions who have not quite uh, reached that threshold to strike get that it's not going to be a thing for everyone but we do understand the sentiment of why anyone would have uh, wanted to do that or are choosing to do that and uh you know we'd love your feedback about one how it goes whether you're supported in your schools about it and uh, if, if nothing else, we hope we've said some things that just make you feel a little listened to and a little understood because uh, we know how hard you're working and how tough, tough this job is these days. But uh, a huge thank you, as Steve said at, at the start, for sticking with us. We're a bit late into this new episode, into 2023, after a long break over Christmas and the start of the new year, busy start to the new year. We've got lots of exciting episodes hopefully coming in uh, the months to come. Please tell your friends and colleagues about the Dynamic Deputies podcast. Cheers, everybody. The Dynamic Deputies.